This episode brought to you by Manscaped. Use code REVISITED for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. One night, they were celebrating New Year's Eve. He was out, ending their life. I'm going to commit murder at midnight. Call me evil. And you can call me Trey Harris with along here with producer Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And we're back, baby. Yeah, it took two months. I know. Everybody gave up on us again. But uh, <laughs> quick disclaimer, it's all my fault. I had to change jobs, so I had to spend some time job hunting. And uh, having not looked for a job in 20 years, let me tell you, it was not easy and it was not fun. But uh, everything's back on track now, at least for now, like I said. So hopefully well, the podcast as well will be back on schedule. Me and Jesse both are really looking forward to having it back on schedule again like we were doing really good until I... Had to close my business. So mm. anyway, that's life for you. Yep. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about what we should have been talking about two months ago today, <laughs> because today is March 1st for us as of recording, and two months ago would have been January 1st, New Year's Day, and we were supposed to talk about New Year's Evil. Evil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's just get it out of the way so we can talk about the other stuff. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh New Year's Evil released December 19th, 1980. I wasn't even a year old, so obviously I didn't see it when it came out. IMDb 4.8 and Rotten Tomatoes 25%, 15% audience. So just with those numbers, you might be wondering, why the hell are they doing this movie? Because there's not that many New Year's movies in the 80s period. <laughs> That That is the exact reason. But this is kind of a cult classic, so to speak, although not like one of those, you know, you have cult classics like Rocky Horror, Van Damme, Street Fighter, you know, that kind of thing. And then you have like, you know, the next level of cult movies, you know, like Plan 9 from Outer Space, Carnival of Souls, a little deeper, you know, like the, the cult movie Iceberg. This is on the bottom level of the cult movie Iceberg. It's not, it's like, it's truly like a cult, culty movie. But anyway, uh, so long ago, there's no info on the budget, the opening, the domestic gross. Obviously, there's, there's info on the domestic. There's no info on the worldwide or even the rentals. So no background information on this movie at all on the entire interwebs. Uh, but it was directed uh, by Emmett Alston. He also did such classics as Nine Deaths of the Ninja, Tiger Shark, and Demon Warp. I'm sure you're all familiar with those. Uh, also based on his story, however, the screenplay was written by Leonard Neubauer. He also wrote M Squad and Black Snake. Again, we're talking about some high-profile talent here. Spielbergian level of talent. Uh, wink, wink, because it's a podcast and you can't see my <laughs> face, just in case you were confused. Cinematographer, however, Thomas E. Ackerman. He's the real star of this. He's a big name from this, because he, he went on to... Uh, be a big cinematographer a lot or work a lot with Tim Burton. He did Frankenweenie, Beetlejuice, uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. 
Sneak preview for next week. Uh, Christmas Vacation, Jumanji, Georgia the Jungle, <laughs> Brendan Fraser, and Anchorman with Ron Burgundy. Uh, so he's the big name for he was the big get for this movie. Although he wasn't the big get when they got him for the movie, but he was the one that went on out of everybody in this cast pretty much uh, to be the most uh, prolific, the most notable person. So that tells you a lot about the movie right there. Uh, Roz Kelly stars as Diane Sullivan. She was in Happy Days. That was her big claim to fame in The Love Boat. Uh, Charlie's Angels, Fantasy Island, a lot of like, you know, onesie twosie episodes for those last couple. Kip Niven was Richard Sullivan. He was in Walker, Texas Ranger. So he's, that automatically gives him a few points uh, with all my, all the grandparents out there listening. Uh, Law and Order, Knight Rider. He was in Earthquake with Charlton Heston. Magnum Force with uh, Clint Eastwood. And unfortunately, he passed away in 2019. He had a very soap opera look about him. Uh, so I was kind of shocked he didn't do more soap soap work. But uh, he was more that you know bit actor on, tel- on episodes of TV uh, on and off. Grand Kramer was Derek. Now, he was in Killer Clowns of Outer Space. And speaking of soaps... 47 episodes of The Young and the Restless, which translates to like a month and a half stint on the show because <laughs> they make them every damn day. Uh, also, most recently, he was in Willy's Wonderland with a non-speaking Nicolas Cage. So if you haven't seen Willy's Wonderland, I recommend it. It's, it's a fun film. Uh, Louisa Moritz as Sally. Now, she was in a couple of big-name movies, uh, but just a couple. Uh, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, Death Race 2000. Uh, she also... Strangely enough, died the same year as Kip Niven back in 2019, which seems like forever ago. Uh, thank you, pandemic time. Uh, Chris Wallace was Lieutenant Clayton. He was in a couple episodes of The Incredible Hulk and Trapper John, M.D. John Alderman was Dr. Reed. He was in Dynasty, The Fall Guy. And speaking of The Fall Guy, a movie, I mean, I'm sorry, a TV show about a stuntman. He was in the film The Stuntman, which is a pretty uh, decent movie, uh, I think from the... I can't remember when that was made. Uh, 80s or 70s, maybe. Maybe late 70s is my guess. Uh, Jed Mills was Ernie. T.J. Hooker, Hill Street Blues, Cagney and Lacey. And, and he was in Twin Peaks. He was Wilson Moody. So he gets he got a mention on here just for being in Twin Peaks. Now, as I mentioned at the start, somewhere in the beginning uh, this episode, uh, New Year's Eve was a very cult movie. Most people, unless you're deep into horror, horror uh, cult horror, holiday horror, you probably have never seen it. Maybe never even heard of it. Uh... And there's a good reason why, because a lot of movies, I think, deserve their cult status because there's something good there. There's something entertaining. Uh, this movie doesn't do it for me. So to <laughs> me, it is not a cult movie. But, uh, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're trying to knock off all the holiday horror movies, this is the... Let me hold on. Let me scroll down my notes real quick before I make this statement. <laughs> da, da, da. Okay, this is... Okay, it is not the best New Year's-themed horror movie. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> Because uh, I have the top ten New Year's Eve, Eve movies uh, later on in the in the episode, so I was just double checking. Uh, so the best horror New Year's theme movie was just not in the eighties. So that tells you what you need to know right there. But uh, the cover of it looks great, typical slasher fare. Uh, it's just honestly, the, my my issue with this film is it's just it's just cheap, but it's not cheap in a good way. Uh, you know, John Hall, the original Halloween is cheap. But you wouldn't know it because John Carpenter is a genius. Uh, you know, so uh, you, I've heard this talk about another podcast too, and it's absolutely true. Is, you know, a lot of budgets today are so big, just huge budgets, huge. That doesn't test the filmmakers to to do anything. They have such a, a, a big playground to play in. You know, it goes back to where, like, like my daughter, for example, she has a million freaking toys. 
But, you know, when I was a kid, and I had I did have a lot of toys, but we lost them all because my parents lost their business uh, back, way back when I was little. Lost, you know, and the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier magically disappeared out of my room, and I still they still won't tell me what happened to it. Who got it? Uh... But that's either the here or there. They did get me. They did get me back my vin- a vintage Castle Grayskull and Snake Mountain, which I still have the Castle Grayskull vintage. But uh, the Snake Mountain one got lost in the flood, the Great Denim Springs flood of 2016 or whenever that was. But anyway, uh, you know. But when you only have a few toys, or like you know, when you're when you're playing in the woods, a stick becomes a gun. That chirping in the woods becomes the predator. You know, you. The point is, when you have little to work with, you make it work. If you have the imagination and the ingenuity and the just the thought process, I guess you know. And today, all these movies are just so, you know, they just throw. Oh, we we screwed up. Ah, just throw CG at it. You know, we'll fix it in post. Which that is a viable ex- thing for some things, but a lot of things these days you shouldn't have to fix in post because you should get it right or you should make it happen. You know, in Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, because there's three different movies called Halloween now, and you got to let people know which one you're talking <laughs> about. They took leaves and painted green leaves orange because it was summer in Pasadena, and they needed mm. fall. They had to pick the leaves up after each take to use it for the next scene. That is ingenuity. That is using what you have and making something that looks, you know, that was made for, I think the original Halloween was 200000 100000 You know, in, the, in that day and age, obviously it was a lot more than it is now. Uh, but made it look like you know a multi-million dollar movie. It looks that good. And also, it doesn't hurt that you have Dean Cundey being your cinematographer, one of the greatest cinematographers that ever lived. Uh, but this movie just looks like... It looks like it cost as much, even though there's no information on the budget, it looks like it looks like it was a lot of call-in favors for this movie. Like, hey, my uncle owns this hotel. My uh, my cousin has this, uh, this bar we could use for these scenes. Everybody's wearing their clothes they brought from home. You know, so it's a... Uh, and again, that's not ne- that doesn't necessarily mean a movie's bad when it is cheap. Because believe me, I've seen enough stuff on Monster Vision and Up All Night that is cheap, but is still good. Uh, the last shark that we watched, <laughs> we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, several months ago. Excuse me, not a few weeks. Uh, you know, the podcast. You know, very cheap, but it works because it's it's so cheap, it's good. This movie is just it's just bad cheap. The actors aren't very good. There's a couple of you know, there's a couple of cool parts in it. You know, the twist. You know, I use the term lightly. The twist is uh, it's different. It's not bad, but it's just like I don't buy it. You know, and I think that's a key part of any twist in a movie is you gotta buy the twist for it to work. Um, you know, so uh, but a lot of people, a lot of people really like this movie. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm just shitting on it like completely. There again, there are some good things about it, but it just doesn't. This is a movie I'll probably never watch again. Uh, I think I, the, watching for the podcast was like this, maybe the second time I've ever seen it. Uh, so, you know, of course I didn't see it till much. I didn't see it obviously when it came out, like I said, cause I was not even one. I think the last time I saw it was many years ago when I was, I was doing the holiday horror thing. Oh, they got, oh, I need to watch all these other movies, April fool's day, which, Hey, maybe that'll, we'll do that one in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, obviously Halloween's the big one, black Christmas, uh, no, there's still not a thanks a good Thanksgiving one. Thanks Killing doesn't count because that's that's a cheap movie that is that works because it is so cheap and they know it and they play into the fact that it's so cheap. Uh, so you have I mean you have a, a turkey going around killing people. I mean <laughs> you have to you have to accept that that's what it is and play it that way for it to work, uh, which it does in a way. But yeah, so this one New Year's Eve just doesn't do it for me. So 
There you go. But uh, Jesse, have you ever had the pleasure or displeasure, depending on your point of view, of watching New Year's Evil? No, I have not had this displeasure. <laughs> I think that's what it would be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I didn't think so. Again, again, this is like a again a culty cult movie. It's not a you know most people have seen, the big cult movies out there that, that people still call cult movies. A lot of people have seen, so they're honestly kind of not cult movies anymore. You know, they're right. cult classics. Rocky Horror will always be a cult classic because it was the cult that built up around it that made it what it is today, the longest running movie in history. You know, I think I think I, I think it, that still should be true. I don't know how, if the pandemic impacted it or anything, the record, but it's been shown constantly in theaters since it came out. Or, you know, so longest running movie in history. Uh, even if it did stop because of COVID or whatever, I'm sure it was. It's still the longest running one, <laughs> like bar none. Uh, but anyway, uh, some behind the scenes information on the movie. Obviously, why was this movie made? I'll give you one guess. Oh, you're exactly right. Because Halloween was made. And Halloween in 78, big success, began the cycle of slasher films with titles and subjects based around days and events such as Prom Night in 1980, Graduation Day in 81, This Was in 80, My Bloody Valentine 81, which we covered on the podcast, and it's still a great slasher that separates itself from the tropes of Halloween and Friday the 13th, uh, Saturday the 14th, which we covered on the podcast as well, which sucks still. Uh, didn't suck as a kid, but sucks today. Summer Party Massacre in 82, April Fool's Day in 86, and of course Friday the 13th. And it's numerous sequels, which began with the original in 1980 and ran all the way to the end of the decade and beyond. Uh, the notable difference here is the murderer, or, the murderer, the murderer, let me fix my dentures. The murderer's face is revealed early on, so he isn't masked until the finale of the movie, so it's reversed, which, hey, that's different, sure. But then it's just, you know, I don't know. It's, is it a slasher when you know the killer like that? You know, there's no mystery involved. Kind of. Because the mystery is the quote-unquote twist at the end. Hmm. And if that intrigues you enough, it's worth a watch just to see what I'm talking about. And this film is worth a watch. It is absolutely worth one watch if you're a horror movie fan. But it's... And you again, everybody's different. You might love it. If you do, that's great. I don't. So that's just my opinion. Uh, TCM, uh, not Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but Turner Classic Movies. They once uh, paired it with Christmas Evil for a holiday-themed slasher movie double feature, which is a pretty good double feature, to be honest with you. Two 1980 uh, holiday movies back to back, you know, as a little uh, right time of year double feature. It works out pretty good. Uh, the first call made by the killer, it is mentioned that the voice modulation makes him sound like the Phantom. That is is actually a direct reference to the titular character, or titular character, depending on where you're from, from Phantom of the Paradise. Brian De Palma, I should note, Phantom of the Paradise, 1974, which if you haven't seen that movie, that movie's fantastic. Great soundtrack, great vibe, really great movie if you haven't seen Phantom of the Paradise uh, from 1974. I won't cover it on here because, like I said, it's 1974. Anyway, the, the, the rock group in this movie is just as culty, so to speak, as the movie is. Uh, the groups in the movie, there are two of them. They're Shadow and Made in Japan. And the 1980 title song, New Year's Evil, by Shadow, has itself developed a cult following, which I love music. I love finding random music. I love finding rare music, music I've never heard, music in movies that is good. Even I didn't dig this song. So, But again, hey, to each their own. And speaking of that... This movie was selected to screen at Quentin Tarantino's New Beverly Cinema in L.A. Uh, in 2018, where they projected a 35-millimeter print. Hmm. So we all know Tarantino has aesthetic interests, and <laughs> apparently he likes New Year's Evil. So there you go. Body count. Jesse, you haven't seen it, but we like to play the, I like to play this game. I don't know if you 
take any pleasure from it. But would you care to guess on the body count of 1980s New Year's Evil? Just having watched. I'll give you a hint. The trailer. I'll, I'll give you, here, here's here's the hint. It is higher than the score I'm going to give it. If that helps. <laughs> That doesn't help. That's more than one. I'm getting. No, I'm getting. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's I'm what I'm saying. Say seven. Exactly right. Nice. <laughs> On the money. Body count of seven. Score wise, I give it a four. Again, that might that might be a little high based on kind of what I've said about it. But again, it's worth a watch. It's a holiday horror film. It belongs in that section. So to speak, that genre, that that might that uh, subgenre of horror, uh, you know, and apparently a lot of people do like it, you know. So uh, no nostalgia in that. Honest, honestly, I, I probably should say it's more like a three. But while watching it, I was entertained, and that honestly that does that that, that does account for a lot. Uh, I think that's missing in a lot of people's scores when they rate something. And of course, we know here we're talking about nostalgic stuff here. There's always the shade of nostalgia. There is no nostalgia for this movie for me. So I think four is a solid, a fair. Thing for it if you're again trey harris horror fan you know likes this kind of likes cheap movies likes cult movies kind of thing you know if you're in that kind of same ballpark which a lot of you are uh based on the emails we get and the friendships we've made you know it's a four so again worth watching but maybe just once mm. now a key component for every new year's event is that you know you want to look good for new year's it's the start of a new year and there's no better way to look better than with Manscaped. Use the code REVISITED at checkout to save 20% and get free shipping, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> which Jesse will correct me if I it's am. correct. But uh, they just sent us out the, the Buff Bundle, which includes the new Body Buffer, which is a silicone scrubber, and two bottles of their refined body wash. Now, I lo- I, I'm a bath person. I'm not a shower person. I like, you know, putting some in the tub, foaming it up. A nice man-smelling bath. And to some people, that's a turn-on. Some, it's a turn-off. For me, it's just fine. Uh, and the body buffer, the silicone thing, uh, I've had a couple of those that uh, my wife got for me from places like Ulta and stuff like that to like you know to help scrub your face because I'm from Louisiana. Jesse's still living in Louisiana. It's humid mm-hmm. there. This, the, the, it's humid, which sucks, but it's good for your skin. <laughs> I live in the desert now. It's not humid. I have dry skin now because I'm, uh, I'm like Albert Finney from Big Fish. I'm drying out. <laughs> But the body buffer is great to put a little lotion on, scrub the face, scrub the body. Works out really good. I really like the body buffer. And you get the buff bundle right now from manscaped.com. And just don't forget, use the code REVISITED at checkout. You'll be glad you did. So that does it for New Year's Evil. But as I mentioned earlier, I was thinking, you know, New Year's is a holiday to where there's not that many specific movies like that have are named around it so to speak i mean you have new year's evil but i mean you have black christmas yes you know a lot of christmas thing you know christmas has the most theme movies of any actually it does christmas has the most theme movies of any holiday yeah thanks Uh, be it horror or romantic (laughs) whatever i mean you could probably watch a a different christmas movie every day for a couple of years and never watch the same one Mm -hmm. but uh new year's uh there's even a couple for easter but again those are low budget you know almost home movie-esque one's Thanksgiving. Uh, Eli Roth, though, finally is talking about actually making the movie based on the Grindhouse trailer, which, believe me, I love Machete. Those are fun, brainless movies. Love Danny Trejo. Uh, but the the trailer we always wanted to get made from Grindhouse was Thanksgiving. That's the, that was the one. Uh, so he's working on that. So we will eventually have a proper uh, Thanksgiving horror movie, which is sorely missing. 
But uh, so here's my list of the 10 best movies that involve New Year's. So we'll start at number 10. Number 10, The Assault on Precinct 13 remake. Again, it's a John Carpenter remake. I don't think it's that good. However, in the list, in the grand scheme of movies that involve <laughs> taking place around New Year's, it's slim pickings. And, you know, it's not it's not bad, but the original is so good and so atmospheric, the remake is just, eh, fine. Uh, number nine, Fruitvale Station, which uh, Man of the Hour, or Man of the Month, I guess, because Creed Three's coming out, Michael B. Jordan. Uh, and, of course, Ryan Coogler did Wakanda Forever, the director of Fruitvale Station. Uh, great film. Uh, and, again, this is... Also, this is not like my ranking of like how good they are necessarily. This is just 10 of them. Although, the number one is absolutely the best one. Uh, number eight, Ocean's Eleven, the OG one. The uh, I, can't remember, I don't remember if it was a black and white or not, but the one with Frank Sinatra. Uh, number seven, End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, number six, the best horror movie that takes place on New Year's Eve, Terror Train with Jamie Lee Curtis and David Copperfield. Uh, Trading Places, it, that covers both Christmas and New Year's because you have uh, the whole, uh, you know, putting uh, the principal, Principal Vernon from Breakfast Club in the monkey suit at the end on New Year's and uh, Merry New Year, of course, which we say every year here on the podcast. Number four, Strange Days, uh, Catherine Bigelow directing Lord Voldemort himself. Uh, Angela Bassett's in it too. She's hot right now. Oh, she's always been hot to me, uh, of course, with her Oscar nomination from uh, Wakanda Forever. Uh, Strange Days, if you haven't seen it, Great film from the 90s. Underrated, underappreciated. Most people I know that have seen it love it. It's kind of one of those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Snowpiercer. The movie with, uh, of course, it was, I think it was a, I think, it, I know they made a TV show of it. I've never watched the show, but I can't, I think it might, oh, I think Snowpiercer was a comic and it was made by, uh, I can't Bong, I think it was the guy that, did, maybe the guy that did Parasite. I might be confusing him with another director, another Korean director. That actually sounds right. Bongju, uh, yeah. forgive me. Bong Bongju Ho, is yeah. that correct? Okay, I was right. Ha ha! <laughs> Never doubt Trey Harris, except in a few things. Anyway, uh, number two, Ghostbusters two, and number one, my opinion, the movie that I watch every New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, anytime around that, the original Poseidon Adventure. One of the greatest disaster movies ever made. Unfortunately, never covered on the podcast because it was made in the 70s. Uh, one of Gene Hackman's best movies. One of Ernest Borgnine's best movies. One of Red Skeleton's best movies. Uh, Poseidon Adventure to me is just one of the absolute best movies uh, of the decade, for sure, for the 70s. And personally, one of my favorite movies. Thank you to the premium channel Encore, which played hit movies of the 60s, mm-hmm. 70s, and 80s back in the day. <laughs> And uh, uh, Predator was a mainstay on it, and the Poseidon Adventure. And obviously, everybody loves Predator, right? Uh, but Poseidon Adventure is still one of my favorite movies. Uh, Gene Hackman, also born on the same day I was, January 30th. Not the same year, obviously, because he's like 90-something. Still kicking. Thank goodness. Great actor, but I think that's one of his truly best performances. Most people... Oh, Gene Hackman. Oh, yeah. Popeye Doyle from The French Connection. Yeah, he was great in that, but... Have you seen it beside an adventure? Because he's fucking incredible. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, skip the re- Even though the remake, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, a fantastic director, did The Neverending Story, In the Line of Fire, great director, stars Kurt Russell. The remake sucks. <laughs> I hated the remake so much. Yeah, it was just like, God, it's just like, how can you ruin it? How can you ruin this? 
the sequel to the Poseidon Adventure, beyond the Poseidon Adventure with Mike O'Kane, uh, is better than the remake of Poseidon. Which, of course, the remake of the Poseidon Adventure is just called Poseidon. Which, you know what? It's fine. Again, fine. Remake it. You know, that's fine. But come on. If you're going to remake something, you got to at least meet or beat it, in my opinion. And it failed spectacularly. Uh, but in the real world, this uh, New Year's Evil was released December 19th, 1980. Just 11 days before, the entire world was shocked when John Lennon was assassinated outside of the, his New York City apartment building, the Dakota, by Mark David Chapman. Uh... You know, the a day the music died, so to speak, to coin that phrase from Don McLean, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, for that. But you know, first Beatle to die, and you know, after that there was no hope, obviously, of a reunion or anything. You know, and then of course George Harrison passed away from cancer, and Ringo and uh, Paul are still kicking. So yeah, but it was definitely some, an event that shocked the world. In fact, uh, our good friend Perry was uh, his mom went into labor for him when she heard the news. That John Lennon was assassinated because he was born December 9th. Wow. Uh, so, uh, speaking of people born around in or around the day this movie was released, uh, and also in the time frame of John Lennon being assassinated, uh, the day before the movie came out, on December 18th, the lovely and talented Christina Aguilera, American singer, songwriter, and actress, was born. So, uh, she's our age. Well, my age, at least. I was born in 80. You were 81, right, Jesse? 82. Or? 82, sorry. Yeah, uh, so favorite Christina Aguilera song? Top of your head. Um, it's, uh, oh, I know it. It's because we perform it. Um, God. It's, it, mm, I got to come back to you with the title, but it, there is one. <laughs> Mine is Fighter. Yeah, Fighter's pretty good. Thanks for making me a fighter. Got me Dave Navarro on the guitar. That one, and there's another one where it was, the music video was in black and white. It was really a really good ballad. It was a it was a slow song. Yeah, I think I it's the name Hurt. of that one though. Hurt is uh, yeah, Hurt's a good one. That's the one we. I'll have to check that play. one out. And it's obviously not a remake of Nine Inch Nails. Right? <laughs> oh, it is. No, no, it isn't. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, great. Yeah, but uh, I mean, no, it has very, some nice chords in it. I, I like playing songs that don't just repeat the same four chords over and over again. So this one actually has some mm-hmm. interesting notes and chords to it. Uh, makes me like it. Nice. Cool. Uh, and then, born the day after, on the same day this film was released, American actor Jake Gyllenhaal. Obviously brother of Maggie mm. Gyllenhaal. Off the top of your head, favorite Jake Gyllenhaal role? Uh, favorite? Uh, probably... What was that movie? Prisoners? Wasn't he in that? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I just like the movie. I, I would say, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, Hugh Jackman, him, and of course Dennis Villeneuve. However, you pronounce his last name. Yeah, fantastic film. Uh, the first one that comes to mind in terms of his performance is Nightcrawler. Uh, not, I think not to be confused with the X Men. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's not Jake an X Men. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a, that's my favorite of his. Like in terms of acting, his performance. Oh, Prisoners is very good. That too. is funny. He's also, not in the uh, MCU, but he was a Nightcrawler in Prisoners. No, he, he was. Pl- he was uh, Mysterio. Oh, you're right. Because in Prisoners, he's with Detective Loki. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, playing opposite Wolverine <laughs> yeah. himself. Oh, he was so close, and then but, they were uh, like, "Okay, let's give him the role." <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> 
<laughs> but he's a, I, th- I like I like Gyllenhaal. He's a pretty good actor. Uh, but Enemy is a really good one too. Also directed by Denis Villeneuve. Again, I, I always butcher his last name. Yeah. Uh, that was Pre Prisoners. I think that was uh, Villeneuve. I'm going to say it like that because that's just how it rolls off my tongue today. Sure. I'll say it different in the next episode. I think that was his first movie actually. That's why he worked with uh, Gyllenhaal again in Prisoners. But also, of course, Donnie Darko. I love Donnie Darko. Uh, the sequel, not so much. Uh, now, I don't base my personality around Donnie Darko, but it's a, <laughs> it's a great movie. And, you know, Patrick Swayze, man, you got to love it. I base my personality around character. Day After Tomorrow. <laughs> I run away from ice all the time. <laughs> I've ne- I have never finished that movie. I have just never... It's just like, okay, I've, I'm done. Just... Oh, I've never it's so finished ridiculous, it. Though. I don't think I ever will. <laughs> is it more ridiculous than what was it, 2012 or whatever? The one where Woody Harrelson it's like stands the on the same. mountain and gets hit by a volcano. It's about the same. Okay. <laughs> John Cusack, I think. Actually, was. wait, it's the same director, isn't it? Aren't they both Roland Emmerich? Oh yeah, yeah. So you know what I you're getting. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, 2012 was at least fun because it was so goddamn stupid. Yeah. Which I imagine Day After Tomorrow is. Although Day After Tomorrow is based on a story by the late great Art Bell, so maybe I should give it another chance. Uh, but yeah, like when he's, you know, they're flying the plane and the runway's collapsing behind him and, yeah. uh, you know, just all that, just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's the exact scene from Independence Day when the, the explosion's chasing Air Force One, you know, it's just like, hack, he's a hack. Why does Roland Emmerich uh, what keep that? blowing what? up the earth? <laughs> Why does he keep doing this? Yeah, and then because that last movie he did uh, with Patrick Wilson uh, about the moon. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I haven't seen that yet. It's it because that sounds so dumb. It is. <laughs> it, it it is it is it is so terrible. It is a terrible, stupid movie, <laughs> but it is so fun. Like <laughs> it's worth watching. Watch it one time. You'll never watch it again. All right. It's on HBO. But it, so. like. It was like uh, I, you're laughing the whole time at how ridiculous it is, just how stupid it is, and it's just you know that, that again that counts for something to me in a movie. If if I'm entertained, because a movie is meant, what is the main function of a film meant to do? It's meant to entertain you. So if a film can entertain you, be it because it's bad, because it's fantastic, because it's moving, because it's stupid, that counts for something. <laughs> and Moonfall is one of the worst films I've ever seen, but I was entertained. <laughs> because it was so goddamn stupid, <laughs> like unbelievably stupid, and it's and then you got Holly Berry, and you know she didn't learn her lesson from Catwoman, and you got Patrick Wilson, you know, I mean he's a <laughs> fantastic actor. I mean he, well, he was, <laughs> he still he still is. No, like, I, I don't I don't dig the Conjuring series. I think those are all absolutely terrible movies. Uh, but watch him in Little Children. He's fantastic. He's he's a good actor. Period. But anyway. Yeah, so now back to the future. We haven't talked in two months, Jesse. I know we've seen a lot. We were trying to remember a few things. Uh, I'll go through a couple of things real quick. Uh, Speaking of bad movies, uh, or or actors that are bad but make movies good, so to speak, Casper Van Dien has a new movie out called Mad Heidi, and it's hilarious. (laughs) Again, you you have to know what you're getting into. Know that it's a Casper Van Dien movie, and you're good. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. But it is... I had a smile on my face for most of the movie. It's fun. I uh, did see The Whale with Brendan Fraser, which he just won the SAG Award for the other night. Uh, fantastic movie. Of course, I also... I like a lot of Afrinansky's... Afrinansky... However you pronounce his Aronofsky. name. Darren A.'s work. Yeah. Uh, a lot of his style. I'm, I'm kind of a stand for him. I mean, honestly, I can't think of one of his films that I didn't enjoy. And I'd say The Fountain is one of the greatest films ever made. 
I'm trying to think of uh, Black Swan was great. Mother, a lot, a lot of people hate Mother. I will probably never watch Mother again. But as you're watching it, you're, you're going. It's just so manic and crazy. By the time it ends, and you realize what it was, once you realize what the movie is at the end, which you you can't. It's impossible to know what it is until the end. Once you know what it is at the end, it's amazing. But I'll never watch it again. Mm. And my my fictional dad Ed Harris is in it. Uh, my TV dad or movie dad Ed Harris is in it. Uh, and then uh, Noah. Noah was really good. Uh, Noah has one of the greatest scenes in any movie to me when he talks about the creation. I don't know if you've seen Noah. No. There's a scene where Russell Crowe tells the story of creation on the ark, and it is like just just Google it, just YouTube it. That's the best. It's it's the best part of the movie. Mm. But that scene is fantastic. It's a beautiful scene. Uh, which again, Afronowski is he's a very visual director. <laughs> Aronofsky. And he's, Aronofsky. See. <laughs> <sighs> it, Aaron that, that, I, I, of Sky. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Aaron of Sky. Uh, more on that meme in a second. But uh, yeah, so the way I highly recommend Frazier. Honestly, I, I don't. I have no discourse for him not winning the Oscar for Best Actor. Mm. Uh, a lot of people think Austin Butler. You know, that's kind of the debate. Also, oh, Austin Butler's going to win for Elvis. I thought Elvis was a great movie. He did great in it, but. That's, you know, what Brendan Fraser does in The Whale is so much more involved, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If that makes any sense. I guess you have to, you know, just it's just better. I relate, even though I'm not, you know, 600 pounds and gay, I still related to, like, he was trying to reach out with his daughter. That's the whole kind of plot of the movie. He's, he's trying to reconnect with his daughter, which, again, you know, when you have, when you have a kid, your kind of perspective on a lot of things in movies changes and your opinions change. Mm. Uh, in ways that you never thought were possible, in a good way. I'm, and I, I mean that. But yeah, the whale. I think Frazier should win the Oscar. He deserves it. Uh, he's always been, even as a, you know, of course, when we were kids, he was George of the Jungle and in the Mummy and Encino Man. Yeah. Uh, but he had dramatic stuff back then too. School Ties. He was really good in that. Uh, oh, what's the one? Uh, and honestly, if anybody thinks he's not a good actor, go rewatch Bedazzled. The dude's in, like he's a Camille. Like he does what like ten different characters in that movie, <laughs> and every single one of them is dramatically different like he's, he's he was slept on for so long in terms of like actual like you know acting skill because you know he kind of because he did george of the jungle and then he did dudley do right and then looney tunes you know he kind of got typecast so to speak and oh does this movie have puppets or is it based on a hanna-barbera cartoon if it meets those criteria get me fraser <laughs> no no not the psychiatrist brendan well they're you know, pronounced and honestly too that's Fraser and then Fraser. <laughs> yeah, there's no R in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. That is absolutely correct. But uh, yeah, so uh, the whale, fantastic. Highly recommend it. Uh, the possession horror film "Pray for the Devil," P R E Y. Uh, skip it. Mm. <laughs> it's you know, it's it's typical. You know, The Exorcist. It's like it's a shark movie thing. You know, Jaws may Jaws was. Not the first shark movie, but it was. It was. The, it set the bar so high; it's never been beaten. Uh, that is a. I'm. I am honestly. I'm happy to say that is a fact. There is no better shark movie than Jaws. If you disagree, I think you're wrong because I really think that's a fact. <laughs> and of course, I'm winking. Of course, you know, this is all facetiousness. Uh, the best movie about people being possessed by the devil was made in the 70s as well. It was called The Exorcist. They've never made a better movie about that since The Exorcist. Fight me. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, it's typical when a short movie comes out, you know what you're getting when an exorcism movie comes out, you know what you're getting. And 
same thing with Pray for the Devil. Uh, it's worth watching once. It's not terrible, but it's it's par for the course kind of thing. Uh, I did see Quantum Mania. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you got around to seeing that, Jesse. Yeah. I have to leave my house. Uh, I <laughs> uh, give it another month. It'll be on Disney Plus. I'm sure. Yeah. Especially since it tanked at the box office the second week. Uh, but anyway, uh, non-spoiler review. It was fine. It's typical MCU. Jonathan Majors is awesome as Kang, and uh, there is another character from the past that comes back that steals the show mm. and is amazing. Uh, but me, now, per, we've talked about this before in the MCU. Uh, I two of my favorite like franchises within the MCU have been so far Guardians of the Galaxy. And Ant-Man. I love the first one, and I really enjoyed the second one. I think like they know the tone they're looking for in Guardi- both Guardians and Ant-Man. They stick with it. But Quantumania, like, Guardians is now my favorite like franchise inside the MCU because Quantumania, it's, it, again, it's, it's standard MCU. It's not, you know, these movies are getting, a, you know... I'm, I I my I, lo- I love movies. I will, I will always watch Marvel movies until they no matter how and when I'm 90 years old if I ever live that long and there's still MCU phase 27, I will still be watching Marvel movies. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but they are getting you know, after after Endgame and this might be some people think this is a hot take. I think it's pretty true. I mean, after Endgame, they've been fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. And the only place they've really succeeded for me personally was in some of the TV shows. Loki is, I think, is probably the best thing out of Phase Five. I think we're, I think, I think Quantum Mania is the first Phase Six movie, or it's the last Phase Five. One of those things. Uh, oh, oh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Loki and off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of the uh, and No Way Home, or uh, you know, the the multiverse Spider-Man movie. Uh, uh, those were probably the two things that the first things that come to mind. And I, I also like Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness, but that's because Sam Raimi directed it, and it's got that. It's got that flair that makes it a little bit different from standard stuff. But yeah, Quantum Mania again. You got to see it because you got to see, you know, to keep up with the MCU. But it's the worst in the Ant Man series, and it's mid tier MCU, which is a shame because aside from Loki, this is like setting up the main. You know, it's setting up Kang. Kang is the enemy of. Is he's the new Thanos, which he should be because in the comics he's ridiculously powerful. Uh but I don't want to say too much because, again, people haven't seen the movie. But uh, anyway, moving on. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> it's fine, It's but it's it's never, it, you know, if somebody thinks it's their best, <laughs> it's the best, then you know to discount their opinion. Uh, saw The Menu. The Menu was fantastic. One of my favorite films of the year. Wow. Uh, with Ray Fine, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, and uh, Nicholas Holt. Uh, if you haven't seen the menu, highest possible recommendation. Personally, I loved it. I know some people. It's kind of it's, it's kind of it's got a good barometer on it. Like a lot of people, you know, kind of liked it. Other people hated it. Uh, I pers again. I thought it was so well done because me and Autumn love eating. We love food. We love you know going out to eat. We did, I should say. <laughs> you know, uh, before pre-pandemic. Yeah. Uh, you know, we love you know trying new food and all that. So we're kind of in that. Uh, Market, I, I don't know, that's not the right word I'm looking for, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always like trying new things. Like, oh, let's try this. Oh, they have some sort of buffalo steak or bison steak. You know, not, that was, that's common now, but you know, oh, they have Mako shark. You can have, oh, I'll try the Mako fillet. You know, there's trying different. We always like doing that. And it's incredibly well acted. I thought it was fantastic. Per, again, per, again, my opinion was menu was fantastic. Uh, so I highly, highly recommend it. No spoilers here. 
And uh, the last one that I can remember was M3 Gan, or of course Megan, the modern child's play mm -hmm. Redux with a girl doll. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. It was fine. Uh, again, Chucky has never been one of my favorites. Excuse me. <clears throat> one of my favorite series. I like the first two and Bride of Chucky. Uh, although I hear the series is supposed to be fantastic, which uh, I do want to kind of catch up on that, but more so when it gets uh, closer to uh, Halloween and everything. So, uh, so I hear the I series is really good. I don't know about Megan is that she's a gay icon. Have you heard that? How... No, how did that happen? I honestly or don't what, know. Uh, a friend of mine who is gay, he went with a big group of people, and he was applauding at the end. They were cheering for her. I don't know what happened. She's trying to kill children. What are they applauding at? I have at? no idea, but apparently it's picked up so much that SNL even made a skit about it, how Megan's a gay icon. So I don't... Um, if someone I mean, that's, could explain that's fine. That, I, just, fine. I just don't understand... I'm gonna. Ha I mean, I'm again, gonna have it, it, to ask my friend about that again. <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> like, what is it? I mean, is it? Now, I have I have seen like you know a lot of people cosplaying the dance from it, and it could be like that, that kind of that thing, kind of thing. But I, I mean, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't. There's no like. I, I mean, I again, I didn't. I didn't see it, and uh, you know, interpretations are obviously up to each individual person. But I didn't see anything that would lead to in me to suspect that in the movie. So I find that very interesting. As to why it has to be the day, it has to be the dance and all the cosplay and stuff. Maybe some. Uh, oh, here you go. You googled it. Good job. Yeah. Why didn't we think of it? Why did I think of that? Yeah. Why Megan is destined to be a gay icon? Why Megan is a gay icon? Why the th writer thinks she's a gay icon? So I mean, you know, it's there. It's out there. It's just. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But uh, I just thought it was an interesting thing because there was nothing in the trailer that even gave me a hint. That that yeah, would I mean, be it's like a, that. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a simple story. It's a robot. You know, it's basically the Child's Play remake, just a different kind of take. And it's fine. I enjoyed it. It's, it's definitely worth watching. I enjoyed it. I would see a, another one. But it's par for the course for that genre. It's a killer doll with modern technology. You know, uh, it's one of those movies that as we're watching it, when they show things, you know, all the Chekhov's gun stuff that happens all the time, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, because uh, one of my favorite things to say when I watch a movie is a quote from Kung Pao, Enter the Fist, it will be significant every time they do something like that. And I said it a lot during this movie. Uh, but, you know, it's. Uh, I think it does enough to where it's, you know, you can kind of compare it. You could compare it to Chucky, but it's not necessarily a ripoff because, I mean, there's there have been plenty of movies about toys and killer dolls even before Chucky. Although, you know, Chucky's the big one until now. Now Megan's the big one, which is, hey, that's fine. Because we had Universal Monsters in the in the 30s and 40s. Also, R.I.P. Riku Browning, last surviving until yesterday. Uh, Universal Monster, Creature from the Black Lagoon, passed away. No more... Uh, all the Universal Monster actors have now passed away, which is very sad. He was, not, I think, 94, you know? And he was still doing conventions well into his 90s and everything. So, very sad news for that. But, you know, you know but again, you had... You know, you had, you had ugh, if I could speak. <laughs> and you had the Universal Monsters. You had the Hammer Horror in the 70s. You had the '80s icons, Michael, Freddy, Jason, Chucky, and then you know now, and then you had the torture porn quote unquote icon, Saw Jigsaw, uh, Scream in the '90s, which the new one's coming out uh, next week, which I'm excited for, even though like I think that franchise is overrated, but we've talked about that before. And now you got the new the hot killer doll movie, uh, 
I don't know. Again, I don't know why it's considered an, an icon like that. That's some, that's like, that'd be something I like to educate myself on to see why. But yeah. there's nothing in the movie that indicate to me that indicated that. But hey, that's great. Well, that's fantastic. One person in this article says it resonates to the gay community because it's the idea of a, a found family. Apparently, the little girl lost her family. She has to go live with her aunt, and then the dolls brought in the situation. But then someone on Twitter rec- uh, responded that it, actually it's because she's a fashionable, murderous doll that does cute dances and says cunty shit. <laughs> So, <laughs> I don't know if that's like you know, what a uh, shade or that they're you know that are playfully saying that or not. But I mean, the, here's I the thing: like, I mean, you know, I, I can understand the fa- the family thing, but the the chick that plays uh, like the the sister that takes him in. Since you've you've read that, so now people that have listened to it know that. Not that that's a spoiler. Happens right. in the first five minutes. Uh, she's a terrible person. <laughs> like you know, she's upset. You know, it's basically it's, it's it, again. The characters are archetypes. She's obsessed with her work making Megan. She gets stuck with her brother, her dead brother's or dead sister's uh, child, and you know has no boundary or respect for the fact that she just lost her parents. You know, it's it's you know, and then oh well, here you ought to use my prototype Megan doll. Oh, she's imprinted on you know. I, so the found family, it, you know, she's not a good person. <laughs> <laughs> but in the movie, I was kind of rooting. I, I was, you know, I'll tell you, what, I was rooting for the doll at the end because, like, this, she's a terrible person. And of course, they have to redeem her right at the end. You know, oh, she does love the, you know, that typical stuff. But again, not to shit on the movie too much. I enjoyed it. It's fine. You should, I think I recommend it. it it's worth a watch. Uh, different people. Some people obviously like it more than others. But I can, I can absolutely. I've already, I mean, I've already. Everybody's already heard. Like, it's they've already marketed Megan all over the place. I think some cheerleaders at one of the NFL games even dressed like Megan. Mm. You know, so it, 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 it exploded in pop culture and most, you know, so, which we haven't had that in a long time with anything horror, you know? So that's a, that's a good thing. You know, the more popular horror becomes, is it a double-edged sword? Yeah, but one side is definitely sharper than the other, if that makes sense. So, uh, but yeah, it's fine. I recommend it. It was fun. But I did see when you had IMDb up, I did also see Knock of the Cabin uh, the, just the other night. I forgot about that. Shalomalan, Shalomalan Ding Dong's mm-hmm. latest, based on a book. Uh, oh, I thought it was great. Yeah, on streaming. Oh, I kind of want to see that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it's good. Now, I, now a couple uh, a month or two ago, uh, Ryan Johnson had mentioned like, "Oh, Batista's the best actor of any wrestler." Mm-hmm. Which, when he said that, I was like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not just. I mean, he's not bad." And I, I would point to Blade Runner 2049. Batista was great in Blade Runner 2049. He was laughable in Army of the Dead. He was uh, goofy, you know, uh, in Glass Onion. He was fine, but he was exactly kind of the character I expected him to play. His character in Knock at the Cabin has made me on his side. Like, okay, he is serious about acting and taking risks. And he is really good in Knock at the Cabin. Uh, You can't separate the fact that it's Batista because he's wearing a, a short sleeve button up and his tattoos to show. I mean, he's Batista, but he's a teacher in that movie, and that's not a spoiler. They say it like pretty early, uh, or anything. But he he did very good in that movie, keeping up with uh, other actors who were extremely good, such as Jonathan Goff, uh, what's his name uh, from Harry Potter, the redhead, uh, Ron Weasley, whatever his real name is, Rupert Grant. Uh, yeah, that's it. I knew it was like R or something. I couldn't think of it. Uh, but yeah, Knock at the Cabin, I thought, it, you know, Shalomalan has like hits or misses and people either love or hate him. But I mean, personally, 
I think he, you know, he's he's made some stinkers, but so has Spielberg, so has Scorsese, so has John Carpenter. Uh, you know, and uh, I mean, Shyamalan exploded with Sixth Sense. Like he was hail immediately, oh, the next Hitchcock. That's high praise for your first movie, man. Uh, and to keep that up, because it was uh, we talked about it before in the podcast. You know, we had what uh, what was it? Uh, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable. I think Signs was the third one. Three masterpieces, if you ask me. I think the fourth one was I think four was Lady in the Water, maybe. Which person? No, uh, no, The Village. The Village was I think the fourth one. Uh, it's fine. Uh, and then Lady in the Water, I think, is probably his most underrated movie because it's, it's a fairy tale. I think that's the thing. I don't know. I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I think uh, that's the thing people might not get about it. Six Sense, I Unbreakable, like, Signs, Village, Lady in the Water, The Happening. Air, the Happening's where it went off yeah, the rails. Airbender, <laughs> After Earth. <laughs> yeah, he had three stinkers. And then The Visit was great, I thought. Uh, what's and then next? Split. Oh, Split. And then, of course, he Blast. comes back with Split. Old. Split in Glass. A lot of people didn't like how Glass ended. I thought it was... I, I liked it. It was a different take. He's already, you know, the Shyamalan MCU, so to speak. You know, his superhero universe. He didn't do what superheroes do. It, it, he tried to make it different and all that, and I appreciate that. A lot of people didn't sit well with him. I thought it was fine. Uh, old, I haven't... I've kind of, I haven't... Honestly, I haven't watched the whole thing. It kind of got a little boring for me and ended up changing it to watch another day. I've heard the TV show Servant is good, but I think he's uh, like a producer on that, maybe direct an episode or two. But uh, Knock at the Cabin, based on a book, uh, I thought it was great. Uh, you know, everybody's, again, look, he did the twist thing early in his career. You can't, don't, like, it's not, that's not every movie he makes. He's not the twist guy, <laughs> like he was made out to be. <laughs> you know? So... Uh, I think that uh, you should have everybody should have realized that with the happening like hey look the twist thing is not working anymore like he's in, you know so that again in my opinion Knock at the Cabin great movie uh, after you watch it go read on Wikipedia the synopsis of the book the end of the book is way different that's all I'm going to say so if you've seen the movie haven't read the book check out how the book ended blow your mind drastically different endings mm. uh, and then you can decide which one you like better uh, so yeah and then uh there was one other movie I saw when you were scrolling. I was like, oh, I saw that one too, but we'll save that for next time. So I've talked for about 20 minutes about the stuff I've seen <laughs> over the past two months. Uh, what what uh, what uh, what have you been catching up on or what can you remember that you've Let's see. I've watched uh, White Lotus ser um, season one and two. Uh, both very good, though I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's it's uh, hmm. it's um, kind of like a murder mystery type of thing. Where they let mm -hmm. you know someone's been killed and then go into the story of the beginning of their vacation because they're staying at some resort or something like that. And then season two is a whole new cast except for like select people. Um, but for the most <laughs> part, a whole new cast. Um, I th so it's like Fantasy Island or something in a sense to like they go to this island and there's a murder and it's a. The first one takes place in mystery. Hawaii. They're staying at a resort in Hawaii. Um, and, yeah, these people from different parts of life, you know, some are, like, rich people, some are not-so-rich people, and just how they interact at this resort and the s stories of them. I, like I said, the premise isn't really that interesting, but just the way this, the characters are and everything like that. It's uh, written by Mike White, who did, like, um, I guess the most popular thing was School of Rock. Um mm. But, yeah, some reason it just works, and I don't know why, but hmm. it's good. Um, 
going into season two, I'm like, man, I missed the characters from the first season. But you eventually <laughs> you get to know them, and it's fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's one crossover character there. But anyway, uh, I'm also watching Last of Us, keeping up with that. Mm. Uh, enjoying what I'm you seeing so the far. Games? Oh, yeah, definitely did. It's making me want to go back and play the first one again. Really? Yeah. But um, huh. just to see... I'm waiting for them all to finish. <laughs> yeah, just to see how it all... I mean, I kind of know how it all differs, but it's been so long since I played the first one, you know, back in whenever it mm-hmm. launched on PS3 or yeah. whatever. <laughs> so If it was pre-pandemic, it's like, you know, ancient history. Right. You know, it feels the like. last of us, the first one came out a long time ago, and I just played the second one probably about a year ago. So, you know, because I get them like, like, you know, the secondhand game trader stores, you know. Yeah. Um, let's see. As far as movies, Saw Glass Onion, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's been two months since we've done this, so I'm wondering if that fell in that <laughs> time frame. Uh, I think so, because. Yeah. I'll, I liked it. I saw it too. Yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy a uh, whodunit type of thing. Um, Tom Cruise's Top Gun Maverick. Saw that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it was I what I like expected. Four times, it, you know, so. it was yeah. it was exactly what I ordered. I ordered the Top Gun, and I got the <laughs> Top Gun. So, um, but yeah, I I yeah, it was great. I remember watching it, feeling like, yeah, I'm kind of liking this. <laughs> um, but you know, it is pretty much what what it, what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a it's a perfect like legacy sequel to me like you know yeah uh, we had so we've had so many uh, the the first Rambo one I thought was a great legacy sequel I think that might have been, you know that might actually be the one that kicked it off that or the Live for Your Die Hard not sure which one came out first uh, but yeah like in terms of like legacy sequels like Top Gun like they nailed it to me like because I I love the first one but not not in that way right like that Maverick the you know when when your sequel comes out it makes me love the first one even more. That's something, you know. Mm. It's a T two to Terminator. You know, Terminator is great. Top Gun is great. Terminator two is next level. Top Gun Maverick was next level. I rewatched me. Terminator two, uh, <laughs> so it's relevant. All right, that's a that's a yearly watch for yeah. me. That's <laughs> well, Melissa gotta said keep that she never one. watched like, it all, and so I was like, oh, what? Watch that, and then she fell asleep, so she still hasn't watched it all. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> um, like if somebody said that to me in my head, I immediately hear. Oh, of course. <laughs> like, like I, I am now programmed to show you this movie immediately. Right, anytime I see a movie like filming a road going by, and you just see the the paint on the street, I'm like, oh, this is Terminator. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. An uncertain future rolls forward. <laughs> yeah, and I also saw um, that Thor movie, Love and Thunder. Yeah. Love and Blunder. Uh, yes, nice. Anyway. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> See, and honestly, like it blows blows my mind because when I was talking to my brother over Christmas, he's like, "Oh, I loved it." I'm like, "Wait, are you serious? You know which one we're talking you about? You thought right? Love and Thunder was good? Like, yeah, like, like, like legit. You're saying you loved it? I'm like, and maybe again, like it seems very divisive. And I've, I think I've said it on here before. Like Taika Waititi, I think he's overrated. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's he is a good like Jojo Rabbit. He's a great director, absolutely. But you know what? You know when that movie gets really good? When he stops being in it and yeah. actually crafts the story. Ragnarok was That's directed by him, and that was way better. 
Yeah. Uh, and I didn't, honestly, I mean, that. I initially despised Ragnarok because I wasn't expecting it to become Spaceballs, for lack of a <laughs> right. better word. Uh, I was expecting it to be a little more serious because I, I per, again, I, I'm a comic book reader. We're talking about two different mediums. I understand that. I've always seen Thor as a serious character. And Ragnarok was not serious at all. His his entire world is being destroyed and he's cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, the shock of that, watching it the first time, I've, I've watched it multiple times since. I do love Ragnarok now because I'm kind of used to it. Uh, I just wish it wasn't quite so funny because of what is happening in the story. Yeah. And then Love and Thunder is just next level well, ridiculous. Because, like, they g- they I gave love... him the pen that time and let him write it. <laughs> yeah. I... I love what what we do in Shadows. I love it. it One of my favorite shows on TV. I love the so original well. movie. <laughs> yes, he does that exceptional. That doesn't belong here. Russell Crowe. I love Russell Crowe. I, I did love Russell Crowe until I saw his part in this movie. I thought that was just so... I was like, what are we watching? Yeah, you know, there's a lot like, of moments where I'm just like, I just, what is going on? What are we watching? The, the goddamn goats. Jesus Christ. And it's just like, and then the ending, the ending, like, uh, again, I don't care for Love and Thunder. However, you know, there, there are some visual moments. He's a good director. He's, he's like Rob Zombie to me, though, now, because it's just like, stop doing it there. And he does the same shot 50 million times. Uh, I like gore, but the end, the without spoiling it for people who haven't seen it, although I think it's on, pretty sure it's on Disney yeah. Plus. Most people have seen it. You know, I thought the ending, the last fight, I thought was fantastic. From that part on, I loved it. And the the whole resolution with Gore at the end was exceptionally well done. That's what makes me so mad about mm-hmm. it, is that Taika can direct things that are amazing. Again, the second half of Jojo Rabbit. There's a moment in Jojo Rabbit, not going to spoil it, where the movie does a complete 180. And when that happens, it is phenomenal. Thor, you have these bits, these Love and Thunder, you have these moments that are just so good. And then it goes immediately. They're immediately cheapened by what happens next. Yeah. And honest, and I, and I hate to say it, me personally, that seems like the hot take about it because most people say that they, that I've talked to love it. I'm just like, uh, what? Yeah, I thought it was a waste really? of Christian Bale. Oh, absolutely. Um, Jane Foster coming back didn't get me because it was just like, why is she coming back? Oh, she has this thing. Oh, and now she's Thor just cause. <laughs> Well, in all fair, it was in the comic, and they do like the, they probably explain it better in the, in the comic. Well, absolutely. When when that when that happened in the comic, you didn't know who it was at first. It was just this. There's a female Thor with Mjolnir, and you don't know, you don't know what's going on. And they reveal it's Jane Foster, and you're like, oh, okay. But then in the comic, they reveal that she's battling cancer, just like in the movie, and that the problem is is that when I can't remember if they explain it like this in the movie or not. Because I just zoned out on those just, scenes because it was they so were cringy. Like, the hammer spoke to me, and now I'm this. <laughs> but when in the comic, when she used like you know she's she's doing chemotherapy, you know chemotherapy is chemicals in your system to try to kill the cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, every time she would transform, it would undo everything the chemotherapy was doing because it like purifies you when you transform. Oh, so she like so. And see, that's the hook for it. That's what made that character in the comic so incredible. It's like, do I kill my? Do I, you know, do I take more time off my clock to be a superhero? You have a story there that is actually interesting, yeah. 
in the movie they kind of touch on it but nowhere near i read i read that entire run it was called the mighty thor mm. it was awesome and it, you had similar things like Thor's like, why are you doing this, Jane? You have to like, and like people pleading with her, like, just do the, like, let Thor, let, let, let the Avengers handle it. She's like, and you know, she's a superhero that, and that's what heroes do. And it was great in the comics, the movie, you know, when I heard they were doing, I was like, okay, that's, I, I hope they'll, they'll stay true to the comic. Cause that was a great comic arc. They kind of did, but in not, not in a way that was dramatic. You know, I felt serviced anything personally. Again, that's just me. Everybody has their opinion, but, uh, the comic run for mighty Thor, is fantastic. The movie, yeah. I do. I'll tell you right now. I love the idea that the shattered Mjolnir like splits into pieces like an asteroid field yeah. and just like decimates things. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. That was a cool like variation to do, and they've incorporated that in the comics since the movie too. Or maybe they did it in the comics first. I don't remember, but I have seen that in the comics a lot. I could just be noticing a bit more because of the movie. But uh, yeah, I was. Nah, I walked out of it like. In fact, I was in Louisiana. It was when I was in Louisiana that I went and saw it, and it, it was playing at the same time as something else. And I was like, "Do I go see Thor or this?" And I can't. Oh, I can't remember what it was. But when I walked out, the first I was like I should have gone and seen the other thing. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it was. I wish I could remember. It was at the theater at the same time as Thor, and I was debating between the two. I have to go look up, scroll up my text to find it when I was talking to my friend Larry, because <laughs> I asked him which he preferred. Anyway, anything else that you saw of note or played? Or I'll bring it up next time. Or? I can't remember anything else. <laughs> if I remember, I'll be Yeah, I don't blame you. It's been, it's been so long. And it's because it's been so long, there are three emails we got to catch up all with. Right. All from our good friends all over the world. Uh, going from Order of Received. Uh, the first one was uh, from our good friend Doomslayer, who was at Annihilation this past weekend, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I'm... I don't have a subscription to CCW, so I still don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm waiting on pins and needles for him to post it. Uh, but anyway, ben, our good friend Ben Wyatt in Tasmania, uh, he says, again, everybody, these are emails that are uh, two months old. <laughs> so, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all that, guys. You're sick again, Trey. Get well soon. I thought I'd chime in with mine and Cody's top first-time watch movies of 2022. While putting my list together, I was surprised that so many were actually from 2022, but here they are. So, uh, I'll go through both their lists right now. With some color commentary. Uh, Ben's List, Bullet Train, loved it. Uh, you saw that. Did we talk oh, about yeah. that last time, yeah, Jesse, I think? Or? Okay. Uh, the new tri Halloween trilogy, I liked 50% uh, of it altogether, <laughs> personally. Uh, Chip and Dale, didn't see it. I it. Uh, tried to get Violet to watch it. Uh, you saw it, yeah. Jesse? I remember enjoying Any it. good? Oh, cool. I'll have to... As a, Violet... Kids these days want to watch YouTube. They don't want to watch movies, which mm -hmm. aggravates the piss out of me because I'm trying to like mm -hmm. teach Violet to, you have to have a, you know, let's watch this movie. Just last week, I finally got her to watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and she loved it. So it's just a matter of getting the kids to do it. So any, any tips out there from other parents, let me know. Uh, but he goes on, Flickering Lights from 2000. Never heard of that. Don't know what that is. Uh, number five for Ben was Prey, which I absolutely loved. Uh, Sonic 2. Now, Violet has watched this. Speaking of that, she has watched that because she loves Sonic. Uh, Sonic 2 was great. I love that. Jim Carrey, I can watch him be Dr. Robotnik all day. Yep. I watched it too. I don't know if you got the. Uh, I did. Uh, you saw, yeah, perfect. Uh, Pet Cemetery 1989. Loved it. Hated the remake personally. Uh, Her Love Boils Bathwater from 2016. Never heard of it, but it will go on the list. Uh, the Menu. Good job. And then number 10 is Fall. Now, I'm assuming 
Fall being the movie where they climb the tower that came out this year. Because there's another movie called The Fall, which is also amazing, but it's not a horror movie or a thriller movie. But yeah, I saw. I don't know if you saw Fall, Jesse. Did not. I think maybe we did talk about it. I feel like we did talk about Fall? it. Uh, yeah, it's about where it came out this year. It's just called Fall. It's about these two girls that climb a radio tower and get oh, stranded at the okay. top. okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I remember you talking about it. And I saw a video okay. that was really yeah. cool about it where... They dubbed it in a bunch of different languages using AI technology. Oh, I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah I heard I about that, that too. Was really cool. Or maybe you maybe you mentioned that when we were talking about it or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember. But yeah. yeah, just changing their mouth motions and everything just to match. That's pretty wild stuff. Instead of just dubbing like yeah. they normally would, you know, just go ahead and make the mouth match and everything. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then he rounds. Uh, that was his number ten again. In a nutshell, my opinion, it's, it was way better than I thought it should be, and the soundtrack slams. So there you go. And then Cody's list, also Bullet Train, Night at the Roxbury from 1998, classic, uh, Pray as well, Bell, uh, B-E-L-L-E, like Bell from Beauty and the Beast, I'm not sure what that is. Uh, Don't Worry Darling, I haven't watched it yet, I want to, because anything Flo Poe's in, I'll watch, Florence Pugh. For those who don't know, uh, Fury from 2014, if I remember correctly, that's the Brad Pitt tank movie, which is beautifully shot and looks awesome. I remember it being pretty good. Uh, guns Akimbo from 2019. Love that movie. That's the one with uh, Daniel Radcliffe where the guns are like bolted to his hands. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. I haven't seen it. It's really good. Really, really good. Halloween 1978. Yes, Cody. Yes. Uh, Encanto, of course, from 2021, uh, which is also really, really good. Uh, still, still find myself singing some tracks from that. Uh, and Interstellar from, obviously, 2014. And that's all from us. Talk again soon, guys. Always a pleasure, Ben. Thanks for sending the list. Uh, next episode, I'll have my top ten list of last year because I've also been able to catch up on a lot of the ones that I hadn't seen yet that were maybe in theaters at the end of the month and then came to VOD shortly after. I uh, got another great email from our good friend UK Pete. Uh, he says, hello. Yes, people across the world are wondering who Pele is basically what we talked about at the end of the last episode about Pele dying. We all assume you're talking about Pella, but we could be wrong. Now, Pete, you're a good friend of mine. Never met, only talked, corresponded and here on the podcast. But I, I did my research and I went through several YouTube videos. And from what I can gather, of course, every dialect pronounces things different. Most people do tend to say Pele. However, Pella, from, what, from my brief five-minute YouTube research... That tends to be more used towards the Hawaiian goddess from what I saw. But again, everybody says things differently. If Pele is not accepted in, in the UK, whenever I come to visit you, you have to tell me what it is in person so I don't get my ass kicked because I know y'all take football very seriously. And I would not want to mispronounce the name of arguably the greatest player ever to kick a soccer ball. <laughs> so there you go. So thanks, Pete. Pro- always appreciated. And then last but not least, Lee Bragg, a good friend, UK Lee, uh... Let me see. Let me get my window here. And again, this is from mid-January. So, (laughs) hey, guys, once again, I apologize for the quietness. I've still been listening to all your shows while I've been finishing off the work on our house. Should be finished in the next few weeks or so. So we should be done by now. So let us know. (laughs) I'll be more talkative on here. Uh, Love the Burbs episode. Love the film. So I know it well. Always look forward to the trivia you guys give. Hope you're both well in the family. We've got a baby boy on the way, so looking forward to being a dad. It's the best thing you'll ever do, my friend. Uh, So been working really hard on the house to complete it. By then, due end of April, so not too long from now, we're at the beginning of March here. So the home, uh, the, uh, the uh, sorry, 
<laughs> the final countdown was what I was trying to say. Uh, let me see. Uh, do it in April, so not long. Uh, works from really tough, from cutback, etc. They're even giving getting rid, rid of our staff canteen, so no hot food at work soon. Ugh, that sucks, man. Mm. Uh, world's a mad place at the moment. Or as he says, the mo. I'll have to incorporate that to my daily slang so I can sound a little more UK like our friends over <laughs> there. Uh, I'm all good, even though even... I'm all good, though, even though I sound negative. I got three weeks off work starting next week, so I'm going to spend a lot of time watching a lot of movies, old and new. Just had a holiday build-up, so taking it all now so I don't lose it. Hey, that's what you got to do, man, and that's what you do. Back to the Future segment helps me find new games, so appreciate that. All the best, UK Lee. Lee, keep doing it, man. That's awesome. Let us know some of the movies, some of the new movies, like Ben and Cody told us their new films that they saw last year. If you watch anything new for the first time while you were off for three weeks, let us know and give us some recommendations too. Game-wise, uh, I, I can give you a game recommendation. Uh, I got Midnight Suns, which is from Firaxis. Yeah. I think that's how you pronounce that company because there's no, there's only one I or two eyes in it, not three. I, used to, I think I used to call it Firaxis, yeah. but it's Firaxis, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, uh, but it's the Marvel game, Midnight Suns. It's kind of an, you know, when it was announced... Me and all my friends, uh, mainly our friend Jesse, uh, Michael, was like, oh, Midnight Sun. She's the first one that told me about it. That's like XCOM with Marvel. I'm like, oh, awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Well, it's card-based. So that turned me off of it. Mm. But I still wanted to play it, and it came out. It got a lot of good reviews. So I picked it up, or I got it for Christmas, I should say. And I was apprehensive about the card aspect of it, but honestly, it's fantastic. Mm. Uh, the combat is is... You know, you don't have that. I was hoping for that XCOM kind of thing. I think on hard difficulties, maybe, but I, don't, uh, I might be mistaken. But you know, when somebody in, in XCOM, when somebody dies, they're dead. You know, you right. might have put every, you know, might have made them your badass, but then you got a little too brave, and then something took them out, and they're gone <laughs> for the rest of the game. You know, that's always been a fun part of XCOM was was the stakes. Uh, there's no stakes in Midnight Suns because you know they don't want Spider Man to die, which is understandable in the land of IP. Uh, but if you like those kind of uh, RTS sort of games, the card aspect does not make a difference. It just, it, it, honestly, I found it just as strategic, if not more, because sometimes you you add a little bit of luck in there, and sometimes it's good luck, sometimes it's bad luck. But you really learn how to work around it, and it really makes you think a lot more outside of the typical box that you, sometimes you're in, as opposed to just picking one of three moves for each character and then one of three abilities. You know, so it really kind of opens up like options and combos even even with the dlc that just came out with venom i'm still finding like oh wow that card works the syner synergies is that's the word i'm looking for that worked out really good so uh definitely give me if you like those kind of games give that game a try the voice acting is terrible which is normal anyway for for access games <laughs> uh to my not for my memory at least but uh it's fun and it looks gorgeous like the character designs i thought they did a really good job so uh try that one mm. Uh, oh, Jesse, I did want to ask you too. Have you heard about Sons of the Forest? Have you have you played I that? I heard by about this yesterday. <laughs> so I was talking to now a, the forest. Yeah. The forest. I have the, the forest. The forest is a. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I played it on PlayStation during the pandemic and loved it. I, actually, I, I got stranded deep for free from PSN, mm -hmm. which is a, a survive same along the same lines. Like God, this game was fun. Beat it. Escape the island. Escape the world. Whatever. How you know? However you beat the game. I was like, God, I like this genre. This genre, this is fun. And I like, what's her, you know, went on Reddit, uh, the toxic playground of Reddit. Hey, what are some games like the for, uh, the Stranded Deep that are similar that are really good if y'all really like Stranded Deep? And it's like the forest, uh, Aquatica. And I saw the forest, like, okay, this looks good. Got the forest, loved it. 
this one looks even like everything I've heard is like this is better than the, they took everything about the forest and made it better. It's like the one of the most popular alpha games ever. It's in you know it's I'm like so hyped for it, but it's on PC. Yeah, on <laughs> <So>, PC. <laughs> which uh, I I could probably I probably could run it, but I'm I'm just such a I like sitting on my couch with a controller, with the big screen, you know. So you can do now with a Steam Deck. <laughs> Uh, you gotta get a yeah. stick. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it's like some things about those, but yeah, I don't know if you. I, I don't know. If, I assume you would have heard about it. I don't know. You yeah, do a lot of stuff just on recently Steam, so. because we've been looking for a new game to get into. I uh, play a lot of games with Joe, a friend of mine, and we've mm-hmm. we've went as far as we can go right now in Valheim, which I do recommend if you like survival games. So we were looking for another survival type game, which the Forest is. Hmm. And he mentioned, have you heard of Sons of the Forest? And so we looked that up, and uh, yeah, it's in early access right now, but uh, that might be worth getting into. Um, but yeah, we'll be starting something soon. But yeah, I might get into that. Awesome. I want to know like how it plays, you know, if I play it with one other person, is it still worth doing? So we'll see. Because yeah, I've heard like there's like a, a expansive multiplayer, like cooperative, like kind of thing with it. Like some people like. Just a blurb I saw like everybody was working to build this massive fort to hold off the cannibals, and then like somebody being a jackass threw a grenade at the wall on purpose to blow up all the progress or something. Yeah, see, I you don't know, want so. like MMO everybody in my world type of thing. I just want like world just for the two of yeah. us to run through it and figure things out because yeah. we like to slow sure things. We but. go through not slow, but you know we take our time. We're not rushing through to for progress. We're like, yeah, let's figure out the best thing, best way to do things and figure things out. Yeah. exploring and stuff like that so we have a similar play style yeah, that's a charm yeah yeah that's uh, that's exactly how I, that's why i like strand that's what just caught me with stranded deep and then the forest uh, after it was just that exact like play style like on pace doing what i want to do where i want to do it having that freedom but also that little bit of urgency with what's that noise in the woods over there and all that kind yeah. of stuff so yeah if you like survival I'm very type very games, interested in I mean, that valheim is worth looking into it's on Xbox, but I don't know if it's on PS5. Nah, well, I'm screwed. <laughs> I used to have them all, but now I just Switch and PS5. Uh, and honestly, as soon as I finish Bayonetta 3, I think I'm just going to get rid of the Switch. Switch days are done. I don't ever play it. Yeah. That's just me. I still have my Wii U. So, yep. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you would like to send your email to eventually get read on the podcast, 80sRevisited at gmail.com. Uh, on Facebook, 80s uh, Revisited Podcast. On Instagram, 80s underscore Revisited. Uh, shout out to our good friends near and f- wide. Uh, Cajun Toy Review, our good friend John. Check him out on YouTube. And of course, uh, TCW. Check out the Doom Slayer, man. He had a uh, big match this past weekend at Annihilation. Check him out. TCW's got it going on. I love watching all their promos. They do old school wrestling promos in front of the logo and everything, just like the old <laughs> days. Uh, now, Jesse, uh, do we need to do a Manscaped ad right here? <laughs> uh, we could record it afterwards. <laughs> or are we going to start those next week? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it will be inserted later. So uh, leave a review, good or bad. All we ask, if it's a bad review, explain yourself in more than a couple of words in a sentence. And remember, this is a podcast, so if you misrepresent us, we got receipts. Mm-hmm. But good or bad, we like hearing about it. We're always open to talk. We didn't have any woke alerts this episode. Although, you know, the Peter Pan trailer really set people off. Late late podcast woke alert. (laughs) I haven't even seen it, but look, here's here's what blows my mind. You know, because... You know, what you see, the stuff you see. I mean, if 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 you're if you're right wing, you can turn off right now. We won't hold it against you. We're just giving our opinions. 
uh, my well, mainly my opinion. <laughs> I will, I will never speak for Jesse or another person. I'll only say what I think. But what blows my mind is it's Peter Pan. <laughs> you know who my fir- the first time I ever saw Peter Pan? Peter Pan was a woman. Miss Mary Martin from uh, the 1950s Rodgers and Hammerstein Peter Pan. Hmm. Now, I don't know about the... I wasn't alive in the 50s, but I, something tells me people didn't get in an uproar when Peter Pan was played by a woman. <laughs> you know? So, if Tinkerbell is a POC, what does that matter? <laughs> You know, uh, and by you know, and, uh, you know, you know what you know what exactly. You're exactly right. You know, you know what? And here's the thing. Like I understand. You know, here, here's some good things. Or here's some good criticism. When Michael Keaton was cast as Batman in 1988, before, when it went into production, people were like, I, I remember that. People were like Michael Keaton. You know, it's like that scene in Back to the Future. Ronald Reagan, the actor, <laughs> being president. You know, Michael Keaton doing something serious. Like, people were, like, against it. Like, there's no... They're ruining Batman. It's going to be like Adam West. And then what happened? It came out. People watched the movie and judged it on its own terms. And Michael Keaton's back in The Flash, which that trailer, I can't wait for... You know, Ezra Miller... Eh, eh, eh. Ezra Miller is a problematic human being, but that movie looks badass, and I cannot wait for that movie. Uh, but anyway, you know, Mike, and now most people agree Michael Keaton was the best Batman, you know? So that's, see, that's a reason to like have that discussion. Oh, Will Ferrell's playing Superman? Are you fucking kidding me? Is he? Yeah, now you can be upset <laughs> because that's a valid criticism. This comedic actor that has never done anything serious is going to be Superman? Not, you know, this is hypothetical. Yeah, that's worth the discussion. Some unknown actress that most of these people never know is playing an established character. Why are they doing this? Oh, it's the diversity hire. Oh, they got to check those boxes. You don't know. Watch the movie first and then judge the performance. Who else, who should be Tinkerbell? Nobody was upset when Julia Roberts was Tinkerbell with dark hair because Tinkerbell's supposed to wear, you know, uh, uh, that, that green glittery jumpsuit showing her thighs and have blonde hair and a ponytail. Nobody complained about that, Julia Roberts. Wonder why. What's, what's, what's different? If, if the hair and the outfit can be different and they're not complaining and then they change the skin color, it's a problem. Wow, we just crossed all the mystery. There you go. Anyway, there's your wo- end of woke alert. There you go. We got it. We got it. We fit it in, everybody. We got there. I got there, should say. Anyway. Whatever, you know, think before you, you know, examine your, you know, if you can't grow as a human being, no matter how old you are, that, that's, I find that sad. <laughs> you know, yo, I've, I've been out of school for 40 years. Yeah, have you learned anything since? Nope. Well, then you're still, when when did you graduate school? 1968? Then you're living like it's 1968 and you're wrong. Like, like the great prophet Dave Chappelle says, great prophet to some, uh, of course he's divisive, you know, modern solutions require modern problems. <laughs> or, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Switch that. Reverse it. Modern problems require modern solutions. So there you go. Now, the next couple episodes were actually meant to take place in February. <laughs> so we're a little late to the party, but we're going to do a, a, a twofer of episodes uh, about Black History Month, starting with next week's episode, Moonwalker, starring the late, great, in my opinion, despite the controversy, which we'll get into next week, Michael Jackson, one of the greatest performers of all time, and, uh, of course, you know, there's, there's a lot of heavy stuff that comes along with talking about Michael Jackson. We'll get into it a little bit 
next week. But again, this is a fun. This is meant to be a fun podcast. And although we have moments of seriousness, we will have some next week when we talk about some of that and some personal, you know, opinions on it. Which that's the real reason y'all come here, right? Not the <laughs> movies. My opinions, right? Nah, of course not. So yeah, next week, uh, just to let everybody know to give you a heads up. Uh, next week we're going to do Moonwalker, and the week after that we'll be doing. The 1980, oh, I can't remember the year. Anyway, Glory with Denzel Morgan Freeman. The film that got Don Denzel his first Oscar. 89. Glory. And of course, Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Fuck Matthew Broderick. He's like right there with John Landis for me. We'll find out next time. <laughs> Not time. really, because he didn't. Why that is. Yeah, two episodes from now. So if you don't know Wikipedia, otherwise wait yeah. a couple weeks when we talk That's about I'm Glory. Gonna find out. I'm going to look it but, up. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we'll talk about it then. <laughs> but next week, we have another talk about next week with Michael Jackson. So until then, everybody, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Cowabunga!